Hello, all you damn beautiful people out there in podcast land, and welcome to the Oscar Worsty Podcast. I am part of your hosting team, Paul Workman, and with me as always is... Jonathan Pierce. And Zach McCoy. And this is a show where we take a look at the history of the Oscars and decide what the Oscars got wrong and what they did the worst. And Zach, what are we watching this week in our Best Picture category? Well, thank you for asking, Paul. This week, we watched the Broadway Melody. And the Broadway Melody is a 1928 musical about a sleazy dude who writes an overrated song that somehow becomes the basis for a Broadway show. He then proceeds to become a misogynistic jackass to everyone he supposedly cares about. Very succinct. Yeah, that's about right. Although I will say, I, was that the, uh, the 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 focal point of the the entire movie? Because I caught none of what was supposed to go on in this movie. Like, honestly, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of with the hope, and I'm gonna cruise along on this episode a little bit. I fell asleep on the last 27 minutes of this movie, and I had no intention of going back and watching the rest of it. I can't say no. that I blame you. <laughs> this movie was terrible in fact i had a conversation with my wife about this movie i told her you know i was worried because i'm i'm not into classical film at all and i was hoping that this would kind of be something to kind of let me expand my horizons and after watching wings last week i was like you know what i am super stoked on everything we're gonna do from this point on and then i watched this movie and i my optimism has dropped a little bit <laughs> for at least the next couple decades because <laughs> this movie was trash. <laughs> I feel the same, but um, that's mostly, I have to admit, I'm not a huge musical person. I'm very kind of picky when it comes to musicals and Right, there's like sixty or something that was that were released this year, and for this one to have been the best, I can't. It scares me to think what the other ones were. Uh, not only was it well considered the best film of the year, it was the highest grossing film of the year. Yeah. So it wasn't just an awards darling; it was very popular. Um, but that actually had a bit to do, and I guess I should give my opening thoughts on the film too. No, this movie was. Boring as all hell. It was hard to get through. I was distracted through most of it because it wouldn't keep my attention. And uh, I, Jonathan, you know how last week you really hated the main character of Wings? Yes. Yeah, this guy was that for me, but way worse. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, I felt every character in this movie was that. Like, there was not a redeemable character in this movie, and it wasn't even just a story thing. It was, like, an everything thing. It was the people portraying these characters and the characters themselves. Everybody was just an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I mean, I could maybe go to bat for Hank a little bit. She, uh, you know, maybe had some best interests, but uh, not really. She, She wasn't very smart either for... No loving someone like Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. and that's the thing. And, but so he, I want to kind of give you what I told my wife about this movie. Um, I was like, hey, do you remember the show Gypsy? And she's like, yeah. I was like, all right, that was terrible as well. This feels wrong, like, but go on. Some, 
somebody watched Gypsy and was like, hey, I think vaudeville should still be a thing, too. I'm going to make a movie about that and then just make it bad as well. Like, that's just what this movie felt like to me was, guys, stop. Let's 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 not make fetch a thing anymore. OK, <laughs> though, I believe Gypsy was wit- written a couple of decades after this. Sure. But I still feel like then Gypsy watched this movie and was like, all right, maybe I can do a slightly better, but like 50 million times longer version of this. <laughs> I I think the movie could have been saved somehow if it had a better soundtrack. I just I don't care for the main song and there was nothing else that really sticks out. I mean, a couple of tunes sounded OK, like with the they were all the same whatever that was going on. You know, but that's always... <sighs> I always feel that's that's the worst thing about films, about fictional people in art, where the thing that is supposed to get them over and make them darlings to everyone is almost always awful. Like, I can't think of too many fictional bands or artists or whatever in a movie where, as an audience member of this movie, watching these people, I'm like, oh... This is absolutely the thing that transcends and would make this person famous. I mean, yeah, I guess it can never live like, up to that. Yeah, you got maybe that thing you do. It's a great song. It's, a, it's such yeah. an earworm that we still sing it to this day in a, a film that most people have forgotten the plot, but remember the song. Oh, Jesus. See, that's Kiss at the End of the Rainbow from A Mighty Wind, which is an amazing <laughs> song. Oh, God. Yeah, it is. You're, you're going to start crying now thinking of that kiss, aren't you? I really am, dude. That movie is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so good. You should watch yeah, that most, instead. No, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm, most, I'm, I'm actually trying to think of another anything that would have worked. Yeah. It, sure most, ships, uh, not that stupid Lady Gaga one. <laughs> Maybe Which is a fine, enough, a fine enough song, but I don't know, you know, with Lady Gaga having done like poker face to get famous. I don't know that the shallows is a song that would have made her famous. I, I just, I know the second that song came out as a former karaoke DJ, I feel bad for every karaoke DJ ever because (laughs) now they're not going to have people always bugging them to like, can we do a duet of Jackson? Now it's like, no, we do a duet of the shallows. (laughs) No, go back to Jackson. Shut up. I will say the one piece of art that I always think of when I think of crappy art in movies that's supposed to be like the transcendent moment of of the uh, the artist is that crappy film from the end of Rent that Mark makes. Fucking hate that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Every version of Rent I've ever seen, it's the worst part of the show, and it's the end of the show, and it always leaves me feeling like, why? Why is this the thing? Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, just thinking about Broadway Melody, I just don't think it aged very well either. I mean, even for its for its time, it wasn't very thoughtful. The characters don't have any no. redeeming values, and it's super uh, no. male-possessive and all that kind oh. of stuff. It's just... God, like from the moment that Eddie sees uh, Queenie, Hank's sister, and he just like immediately switches gears, he's like, yeah, yeah, Hank, whatever. Uh, hi, Queenie. How you doing? <laughs> like, within half a second, you're just like, 
Wait. And then, like, what bothered me the most is how overt he was being about it and how Hank just was not catching on about it either. Like, he was not hiding that. She's like, damn, your sister's hot. Like, seriously, had your sister get so hot? Man, I really want to do stuff to your hot sister. (laughs) She's like, wow, she really is a swell gal, isn't she? (laughs) (laughs) She didn't notice until she was like, they were mean to each other and they're like, Oh, okay. They're mean to each other. They must be in love. That that's when she finally realizes. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, and the and fact that's that he, fun little point. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that he gets the happy ending in this fucking movie is just like, what? Right. He pretty much breaks this one girl's heart and then throws her under the bus for her sister. And is like, Oh yeah, sure. This is the guy that deserves a happy ending. <laughs> Right. But see, and that's the the thing though. Like if it felt like this movie was trying to give me a message of any kind, even if that message was, Hey everybody, douchebags win, then I'd go, It's a message. But no, that, I don't even think that was the intent of the movie. The intent of the movie was, hey, here's a guy who wrote a play and now he gets the gal. Without <laughs> completely even thinking about anything in between. Like that's it. Yeah, his so I, it just his character growth is basically he goes and uh, tries to fight the guy that she's um, dating and <laughs> gets hit in the face, gets thrown out of a party. I guess yeah, that's it. I, yeah. I, I, that was one of those moments where I was awake for and I'm like, all right, so what were they trying to say in this? Because that guy ended up being just a jackass as well, even though yeah. they showed like. That made no sense to me to begin with. So they started off with, all right, here's this guy. He's pretty sweet on Queenie. Um, He's, you know, he's got money, but he's the bad guy. But they make no mention of why. They just say, hey, he's not a really good guy. They don't make it sound like they know who this guy is either. They're just like, no, he's a a real bad egg. You need to stay away from him. Right. But other than his reputation as a womanizer, I guess, but. But did they even, like, hint at a reputation? Because it seemed like he was being sweet. Now, if they'd have gone the route of, yeah, he's sweet until you find out he's not, that's a different story. But they really just didn't show anything like that. They were just like, they tried to tell you he was a bad guy through Hank and through Davey, where it's just, it made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't a particularly pretty film either. It's, It's very flat looking. The, yeah, the restoration, the editing, especially compared to last week, it's a steep fall off. It's like choppy, and the dialogue is too long. You know, I guess they were getting overzealous with like, oh, we can record dialogue now, so just keep talking. We don't need to trim what you're saying. Yeah, and like there are scenes where the camera like pans well, so down that, like randomly. And that was another thing that I was kind of wondering about to see if it was just me, but it was a really hard kind of drop from last week where you have just a really great film that I think might have been possibly I don't know if it was ahead of its time or not but it felt like it could have been and then we go to this and it just feels like it's like 10 steps back like 10 very large steps backwards it in a technical aspect it it was a massive leap forward I mean story and character and uh, cinematography wise it is nothing like it's nothing but this yeah. was the first film to be an all talk musical. So, you know, you go from like the jazz singer, which has a couple of scenes that 
are the songs that are the sound, but the rest of the film is still a silent yeah. film. To this, where it's it's completely from start to finish a sa- a talkie, uh, yeah. with musical sequences, mm-hmm. uh, and and apparently they were they were creating ways of how to record sound as they went as they were shooting the film, which yeah. I do find rather impressive. Yeah, to its credit, you can tell what everybody's sure. saying. There's no issues with the sound, so that yeah. is impressive on its own. And and apparently, there was an entire Technicolor sequence in this film in 1929, which has been lost to time. Mm. Nice. I always, and, I always find that really funny, which, you know, th- some archived films that are just completely lost. The biggest thing I think about is, like, the Doctor Who episodes that are complete, you know, got burnt up into a fire and everyone thought or, we were never going to get a hold of it, apparently. Or, or even better, just recorded over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, so it, they just it, it's had funny the Doctor Who tape and they were like, no, we need some uh, Are You Being Served taped on this. <laughs> So one thing I would actually like to uh, continue as we shit upon this movie, because I think that's what this episode has become, uh, is when it comes to, you had said this is really the first kind of uh, musical film, like as a full talkie, as a full musical and everything. And then looking at it, it's how much actual, like when I see a musical, I think of things like, even in like class films, I think of things like Fred Astaire movies and stuff like that, where it's a lot of it or like things like singing in the rain, where you're just getting a lot of it's basically theater, musical theater on film. Yeah. And this movie, it really felt like it wasn't trying to be that it was trying to be vaudeville on film. But have you seen a lot of old musicals like Irving Berlin and Cole Porter and stuff like that? See, and that that no, I haven't. And that's kind of what yeah. I was going with. Is is this really just a the evolution of like this is just where it started, and we haven't reached where I've gotten used to it yet? Yeah. So, like old Broadway is just kind of someone like Cole Porter or Irving Berlin would write a bunch of songs, and then someone would go, "Okay, let's string those songs together into a plot," and it. It's kind of like a jukebox musicals are now. Like, hey, let's we got a bunch yeah. of Beatles songs. Let's make a plot out of Beatles songs. And mm. most <laughs> most really old Broadway shows are just absolute garbage. Yeah, sure. This one has a real kind of behind the scenes feel, which uh, is a little different too, I guess. But yeah, because they don't but ever actually put on a show. Time, do I they? feel like. <sighs> No, they don't. Like that's the thing. I don't feel like it is enough of a behind the scenes thing. Like it'd be nice if they were to have done that in a in a musical fashion, I would have seen, all right, this is how it's done behind the scenes without actually ever hearing the song, like the roll credit song until the end, until it's part of the show. And then you make mm. the other songs really about that behind the scenes. Instead what you get it's just some random songs, and you really don't even get that many. It's like four, maybe five different songs throughout the movie, if even that. Yeah. yeah. And you get just really bad song that it's all around. So I just, 
I just think when it comes to a musical film, I, I don't get that feel. I just... I get a movie that just has some people singing into it to break any kind of immersion to begin with that it may have potentially have had. Like I, I can I can get behind people just sporadically knowing choreography and singing out of nowhere in the real world. Sure. I'm behind that. Because it's part of the that choreography, plot. It's part choreography of that is story lame in this movie too. None of them were. Oh yeah, it's terrible. God sure. awful. Yeah. Anything anything with the sisters was literally them just Weird hugging from behind each other and swaying around a couple of times. That's yo, all it was. Yo, and everybody in this movie kisses everybody else on the mouth. That shit was weird. <laughs> <laughs> so that was another thing. I was like that at first. I was like when uh, uh, Hank, no, not Hank. Uh, Davy was just kissing on Queenie. I'm just like, all right. Was this just what it was like back then? But then yeah. it keeps going in through the movie. I'm like, nah, everybody's kissing everybody, so maybe it was. I don't know. Like, is he a dick? <laughs> Just yeah. weird. Yeah, I feel like the best parts uh, of the movie, if anything stood out, um, were kind of some of the chippy backstage exchanges with some of the crew. Those some were, There were some funny lines, but not overly funny. And um, I think, Paul, you mentioned Uncle Jed. He was a pretty good character, although... I, I haven't read whether he had a real stutter or if he's faking a stutter, which kind of would make him lose some of his charm. But I don't know. Hold on. Uh, let me go look him up. Uh, he was a vaudeville performer become, before becoming a film actor. His real name is Jed Prouty. Okay. Uh, he mostly appearing in comedies. He occasionally performed a serious character role. For instance, his small part as an oily publicist in A Star is Born. Uh, I'm not seeing anything about an actual speech impediment, though his credits are lengthy. I mean, that that time, that was when, I mean, how fast were they making movies back then? Uh, let's see. In 1921, he had four films. Uh, mm -hmm. 1926, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven films. <laughs> so they were turning gives you them out. Any, yeah, that gives you any idea where, how, how yeah. much work he was getting in the silent era. So let's go ahead and see if we can try to find any redeeming qualities about this movie. Paul, did you have any kind of good things to say about it? Like, was there anything that you feel like they could go, all right, I'm the Academy. This makes this the best picture. I mean, what could have possibly have done that? Essentially, uh, a few things we've already mentioned for me, especially at this point in the history of cinema and it being the Oscars being so fresh and kind of rewarding more populist stuff. And we'll get more into the Oscar side of this in a little bit. But Zach said there, there's a few lines I laugh at early on in the film before the film just bored me to tears. I think Uncle Jed is just so much fun. You could tell that that Jed Prouty is having a good time doing all the business he's doing. Uh, mm -hmm. But as far as like looking at it from an Oscar standpoint, it was the highest grossing film of the year. Like, oh, well, if we want people to to listen to our broadcast, which this is the first the first Oscar ceremony to be broadcast over the radio, um, mm -hmm. we want people to listen to the broadcast. We want them to feel like they're part of the show 
Yeah. Uh, and let's give it to the film that everybody apparently went and saw. So that's what they did. Sure. Uh, and of course, uh, for it to be the first fully sound musical from start to finish, that that is an impressive feat. And sure. we we it's like, you know, the jazz singer is a real hard film to watch these days. It did. It did not win Best Picture, but it did get a, a special Oscar for its use of sound. Sure. So to kind of go back and fix that mistake, it's it's really appealing to an Academy voter. So, I mean, that brings up a point of do you really think they're just kind of voting on like, I mean, you had said already that there's a lot of people went and saw this. Um, but more of, do you think they really did vote more on the innovation itself? Just the fact that this was what it was. I mean, this is something we don't see anymore. I mean, because it, it just feels like a lot of the times when you get any kind of innovation in the modern era, it's that's the focal point. And it feels like that's kind of what this was as well. Like nothing else was really focused on more than the fact that, hey, people are actually talking and making noises in this movie. Oh, plot. Ah, who needs that character progression? Psh, screw it. They just we're, we're talking and hearing noises. I mean, it's just it's just it's a precursor to Avatar. <laughs> I was just about to say Avatar. You know what? That was in my mind, too. Yeah, like, yeah. Everybody was thinking it. I know what yeah. <laughs> It's like, hey, James Cameron, you're making something. I mean, I'm b pushing technological boundaries. Yeah, I don't know if I'm making anything, but sure. <laughs> so, and, and you know, and that's, I don't know, it, it's hard to overlook innovation because so, especially in hindsight for how far we've come since stuff like this. I mean, and this being MGM's first musical on top of that, MGM, like, when people talk about the the big studio era of Hollywood and they talk about musicals, they say MGM musicals. So for them, for them to do, this is their first one. They're getting kind of the bugs out. They're working with sound for the first time to what they would perfect just a few decades later. Mm -hmm. I, well, I have a hard time not giving this film the props it does deserve. Well, so and that's the thing. So the, so I don't look at that as much as the inner the, the innovation of this movie as much as MGM going, all right, so we made the thing. Holy crap, a lot of people went and saw this. Holy crap, we got an award about this. Yeah, let's keep churning these out. And then maybe we can, you know, make them better as time goes on. I don't see that being the movie itself that's doing it. I just see that as MGM seeing the dollar signs and going, okay, that's what we need to do. Why do you think we have 50 Marvel movies? But the fact that it was popular, the fact that people really did enjoy it. Uh, I, you go back and look at some of the, some of the reviews for this when it came out and like variety said that it, it has everything a silent picture should have outside of its dialogue, a basic story with some sense to it, action, excellent direction, laughs, a tear, a couple great performances, and plenty of sex. I mean, like, it was a popular movie. Yeah. But it was almost none of that. It was right. literally almost none of that. Like, even in those standards, like I said, take a year ago, one year ago, not that far, you have Wings that was phenomenal, that had literally everything you just said. It had 
every step, every note that was just made, that action, it had the sex, it had the great acting, it had just everything. And this movie is almost the complete opposite. It, or it is yeah. all of those notes were there, but they were absolutely terrible in their execution. So I just, I don't see how critics can, I can't blame it on its time. I literally can't. And I know I keep saying literally, and I apologize for that, but you can't <laughs> say this was just the time. This is just, there wasn't enough out there because once again, take a year ago and you had that. Like I almost went and watched all of the other movies from this year. I just didn't want to disappoint myself because if all of the other best picture nominees were just as bad as this, I would have quit the podcast. So <laughs> I, I didn't want to chance I, it. So I, I, I just, it's not a sign of the time. It's not. I'm curious. Cause I've seen nothing else from this year that got nominated. I mean, it yeah, sucks that the what second year of the Academy is just a dead year. Everyone's like, man, this is the best we got. Shit. <laughs> well, I, like, I did. Did Wings some of that really about, just like, set the bar way too high? <laughs> what was that Zach? I was, I saw where a lot of the contemporary reviews were, um, were positive and good. And then everything probably 30 years after up to now is like, no, it's not a good movie. So I really do think it was yeah. the novelty. You know, we could say it's for its time, but there was nothing else to compare it to, I guess, which is like, you know, if you get a new invention, it's like, oh, that's awesome. And then a year later, uh, the update comes out and it's so much better. It's like, why did we like this thing? I, maybe it's some of that. But I, I do think I agree with Paul as far as it being um, industry patting itself on the back for like, look, we made a lot of money, money with this. There's technology innovation. Let's let's award ourselves in that regard. But um, ultimately, well, my favorite part of the whole movie was the bonus on the DVD of the Dogway Melody, which is a reenactment of a scene featuring dogs. <laughs> and it had actually a lot of good um, <laughs> stop motion with the dogs and getting the dogs to mouth the words and stuff. Lip sync. It was, it was, it was all right. It was pretty cute. I don't know if it's out on YouTube or something. I'll yeah, have to look it up and I'm, I'm put it on Facebook. Right now. But my ultimate feeling of the movie is that um, I wrote a little ditty for it. It's a piece of shit. I really don't like it. That's that's my song. So. <laughs> that's perfect. I love it. That is already like 50 times better than everything I heard from the musical. So, All right, boys. So I think it's time to ask the question. Well, actually, let's let's go into some uh, a little bit of Oscar trivia real quick because you know, this is an Oscar oh, show. Absolutely. Let's do some uh... I love a little bit of context. All right. So in the first year of the Academy Awards, of course, they had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 categories, including outstanding picture, best unique picture and or their best unique and artistic picture, best directing comedy, best directing dramatic actor, actress, writing, uh, original and adaptation, cinematography, art direction, engineering effects, and title writing. In the second year of the Academy Awards, they streamlined things a whole lot, and we have seven awards. Hmm. I think they should Could have held on to that the... directing for comedy. Yeah, that would have been nice. Uh, they get rid of uh, artistic picture and uh, say that outstanding picture is it. It is the top award, and they retroactively call Wings the best picture of the last ceremony. Uh, they get rid of best director, the two best director categories and streamlined it down to one. 
We keep actor and actress writing uh, gets put down to one title writings kind of becoming a thing of the past, but cinematography art direction stick around uh, Broadway melody ends up snagging three nominations. Uh, one of course for outstanding picture, one for director for Harry Beaumont and one for Bessie love who plays Hank hmm. who out of all the actors in the film, I did enjoy her the most aside from uncle Jet. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um, and just a couple pieces of trivia on the Broadway melodies wins itself, uh, or, and one for the ceremony. Uh, this is the only year of the entire history of the Oscars where every film that won an award only won one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Diversification. I mean, when you knock it down to just seven, so. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and. These these days, you see a lot of films pick up like two or three throughout the night so they can kind of share the love. And uh, it's really rare anymore that something will do like a clean sweep like Titanic or um, or uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King did. Sure. But uh, uh, Broadway Melody became only the second of seven films. And we'll get into some of those later, except Wings, which was also on this list to win Best Picture without a writing nomination. Hmm. And it is only one of yeah. <laughs> and it was only one of three nomin- uh, best picture winners to only win best picture and nothing else. Okay, that that's so odd to me. You know, thinking about it, that it didn't wouldn't win anything else, but it's, yet it's the best picture. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It I've is always bizarre. kind of been a little. I I always some like I don't want to say always, but a lot of the times I get pretty upset when uh, best picture doesn't get best director. Sometimes, like I just feel like yeah. It's pretty rare rare when it's not deserved. (laughs) Yeah, like... Yeah. It's just another one of those things that bugs me. Right, right, right. But... All right, I believe you had a question for us. All right, so I do have that question. Zach. Yes. Did this movie deserve Best Picture? Well, um, I have to admit that my knowledge of the year's nominees is not as good as I would like. Um, I'm taking a quick peek here just to double check. Um, I'm going to say no, just because I didn't like it so much. I can't imagine the others being worse. <laughs> so I'm going to, um, <laughs> I'm going to check out at least one or two of these others. And then I'll, you know, comment on social media if I still feel the same way, but I feel like I've heard Excellent. that the Patriots a pretty good movie. Um, so would you say then that this is probably the worst best picture? In our so episode far. zero, I, I predicted it to be my um, worst out of all of them. So I'm, I'm definitely saying yes. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. So, so far, you're looking good. Paul, what about you? Did this deserve best picture? You know, I said earlier in the show, I, I haven't seen a single film from this list of nominees, but I cannot imagine anything on this list being as boring as this movie was. I, I'm going to say no based on just having watched this movie. Uh, but again, it pushed some boundaries uh, on the technical front. So it's hard to say that it wasn't deserving of at least the nomination. Okay. Fair enough. So when it comes to, is this the worst best picture? Wings so far. Wings was gorgeous. Wings was uh, a 
for a two and a half hour silent film, one of the easiest watches I, I've seen of this era. It was incredible, beautiful. This film was neither of those things, and it was an hour shorter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really, Dude, yeah. It felt I'm, I'm so, I completely forgot about that. Dude, five minutes into this movie, I clicked my pause button. I was like, how long is this? Oh, thank God. <laughs> So, yes, and yet, I, yeah, one hundred percent agree on that. Yeah, it was it was a buck forty, and it felt like the two and a half hour movie is where wings. I was oh. like, oh, it's only been two and a half hours. Can I get like another hour of this movie? Right. <laughs> so yes, this uh, is so uh, for for what we have watched so far. This is the worst best picture. All right. Well, I'm just going to let you know. I'm going to answer mine with uh, both my questions with the same answer. Uh, I saw Wings. Nothing this... You cannot take this many steps backwards and be best picture. You can't. You cannot go from Wings to this. Like, I can understand setting the bar high, but when you just... Like, when the bar is 10 feet above you and you're still playing Limbo, we got a problem. So, yes, this is the absolute worst best picture so far, making me almost want to change my answer already for our episode zero. So (laughs) I I just really did not like this movie. And it's not like, oh, I I, I shudder to think if anybody actually does. I really do. Being a musical film fan that I am, I, I, I cannot abide by this trash i really can't academy for shame for shame (laughs) so so i think that's a good thing that we do now is we have our the wings is finally out of the worst spot i feel good about that it was only there for a week thank god um you know if anything if any credit we can give broadway melody is it took wings out of worst best picture. And so right now And at this point, it's technically the best best picture. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So there we go. So Broadway Melody is currently on a one week streak. Let's see how far we can keep this one going because I am honestly curious if like that's something I want to keep track of is what movie gets the longest streak. Okay. Cuz I think that would be kind of interesting as well. I'm going all the way on this one. Okay. Um, there's a couple I haven't seen in the coming weeks. Uh, through the, I'm, I'm just going to look at the 30s. I'm going to say that I think through the 30s, prediction, Broadway Melody is going to keep the worst spot. Oof, man, that is. But that's, that's, that's not having seen probably four or five of the films from the 30s. Oh, well, my question, Jonathan. Do you already, um, how are you feeling compared to Gone with the Wind right now? Oh, man, I miss Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I miss four and hours and change of Gone with the Wind over having to watch an hour and 27 or an hour and 37 minutes of this movie again. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I, I think it's really funny, uh, Paul, not seeing half of the movies of a decade and still predicting this is going to be the worst movie within that decade. So that's uh, that's saying something. Uh, yeah. All right, boys. All right. So I think we're going to call that one a wrap. Broadway Melody is the worst best picture. And uh, what are we watching next, Zach? 
Uh, next, we're going to be watching All Quiet on the Western Front. And if folks want to watch along, that's going to be available on HBO Max. Ooh. You can also, if you don't have HBO Max, you can also find it on, uh, I believe, Amazon Prime and YouTube and some of the other places. Or your yeah. local library if they have it. <laughs> nice. All right, Zach, where can people find you online? Well, if they're interested in seeing any of my uh, thoughts on movies, they can go to Critiker.com and they can find me at ZachMaster, that, but that's spelled with an X, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R. Batman. And you can find me on the Facebooks and Jonathan Pierce on the Twitter at Altorn underscore Occam and uh, streaming some video games on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Altorn underscore Occam. You can find me on Twitter at DA Movies Pod. You can find me on Instagram at Father of the Fear. You can find me on Letterboxd. That's letter B O X D dot com slash Vaudevillain. Or you can look me up by name. You can find me on Critiker at DA Movies Pod. I want to thank Trav from Leveling Up for Benjamin Banks for being our producer. I want to thank Chad Ramsey for our wonderful theme song. And for Jonathan Pierce. And Zach McCoy, I want to wish you all a damn fine day.